Welcome to the Hotel Analyst podcast. My name is Chris Bowne, the editor at Hotel Analyst, and I'm joined, as regularly happens, by Andrew Sankster, the editorial director of Hotel Analyst. We're going to canter through three topics that have caught our eye from the uh, news of the last week or so. But before we start on the first of those, Andrew, I think you just wanted to remind the listeners of a little goings-on. Yes, I do. It's Real Estate Tomorrow, so um, and Real Estate Tomorrow is focused on operational real estate. Um, it's an online event happening on the 16th of June. Uh, starts at 9.45 and goes all the way through to 6. It's much more than a webinar. There's all sorts of interaction you can do. There's one-on-one meetings. You can drop by some stands. And of course, we've got a, a series of great bits of content for you as well. But check it out, realestate-tomorrow.com. Okay, now the first topic we're going to talk about this week is the budget hotel chain Travel Lodge and what's going on between the owners and the landlords. This is a UK-wide budget chain with more than 560 hotels. Uh, the owners uh, lease all the properties and uh, the private equity owners and they have decided that they can't afford to pay the rent uh, due to the coronavirus lockdown and they have demanded that all the landlords give them a healthy discount over the next year year or two this year or next year uh, and um, they've done so by means of launching a, um, a CVA which is uh, in the UK a way of protecting yourself from well but almost by indicating you're prepared to take the business under if you can't get your way um, but uh, this seems to have turned into a bit of a battle Andrew it does. Uh, I think it may have reached um, an end point, though. I will have to wait and see what happens when the uh, when it actually gets to a vote. But uh, Travel Lodge have uh, looking at some of the um, deals struck with um, different owners. I mean, I, I look, took a look at um, LXI REIT, who we've talked about in the past, and I took a look at uh, Nick Leslau's Secure Income REIT. Um, and the time the, the sort of hits that those two owners have had in terms of the rent um and i think that the, the mood music from both of the statements i think coming out from lxi and from secured income was one that you know this could well there was certainly wasn't a sort of frothing at the mouth um and it, it looked like they, this could well go through for um for the, the the worst hit was um, uh, secured income REITs. They are going to be losing ten months worth of rent um, spread over two years. But that's quite a it's quite a chunk. That's uh, just over twenty three million um, pounds, and that's for the hundred and twenty three travel lodge it owns. I mean, the good news. Um, such as it is, um, the, well, the ameliorating factors for secured income rates are that it's got a lease extension, which uh, from the, the type of owner that it is, um, it helps it because it um, reassures investors that it's got long-term leaseholds and it's extended those leases on average across the Travel Lodge portfolio by 2.75 years. Um, and also, it's, you know, it's able to meet its uh, finance payments uh, in total across um, two hotel tranches where he's got debt secured against it. Um, it there's something under four million of um, um, 
interest payments it has to make so it's you know even with uh, sort of one third of rent that travel lodge is coughing up it should still be able to meet those sort of payments so it's it, it's not entirely bad news um and also what uh secured income read have done is got a kicker if if profitability does come back faster than anticipated um, it gets to share in that uplift and claw back some of the the missing rent interesting the lxi the the shave that they had is much less uh just 4.6 percent off in the first year and then 2.9 percent off in the second year it's only got 12 properties but these are 12 of the best properties in the portfolio and i think travel lodge has had to come to a much kinder arrangement with LXI because it otherwise you'll just simply lose those properties so it, it's played travel lodges played divide and rule mm. um, and it, it's hard to see here I mean you know you, you've got a situation where it, there's going to be pain across the piece and from an owner's perspective you're kind of sitting there thinking well how much am I going to lose if I have to rip this from under and um, travel lodge and give it to another operator there's clearly going to be massive disruption in that process you're going to lose rent um, to a degree during that and it might be that the best possible outcome is to stick with Travelodge and see it through. I mean after all of these um, rent holidays or rent reduction holidays uh, Travelodge is going back to exactly the same levels of rent so there's no permanent reduction in rent and there's no exiting of any leases under this CVA mm. so it's quite different to the first CVA Travelodge did where it, it got rid of a few of its hotels and had some permanent rent reductions so I think this does look like it, it, you know this is something which has been you know, clearly there's been an, an, an extraordinary incident across the portfolio <laughs> with the total closure of many of the hotels and and, and it, it's reached a reasonably what appears a reasonably sen sensible um, conclusion so far we'll wait and see what happens later this month when the CVA mm. proposals get well, it's, on. yes it's all over till the uh, the vote and uh, has in the meantime been talk of launching a rival brand uh, mm. And suggestions that uh, you know quite a few people would would get behind that, um, and uh, I think uh, you know one of the points made to me by uh, the leader of the uh, the merry band of travel lodge landlords that I spoke to, um, he t made the point that, that several people are quite bitter, and those who've held travel lodges for a long time, you know, there's a, there's a distinct sense of deja vu. This all a similar thing happened in 2012. They basically had to. to take rent discount for two years after that and um, now they're being asked to take a rent discount for two more years so it's like well so out of every eight years we get we only get six <laughs> six where we pay full rent um, so yeah, actually what yeah. what is our real yield what is our real net return over the length of the lease it's somewhat less than we thought it was going to be yeah i mean i think there is a difference i mean back in 2012 there were properties which simply weren't uh functioning as as travel lodges um and a whole number that were genuinely over rented i think mm. that was the problem i think this time around you know you've got an extraordinary situation and the point i made in terms of we're going back to normal rent levels after this which didn't mm. happen in 2012 does support that contention and i think really what what you've 
got here is you know if, if you're an owner um it's not so much the covenant you've got to worry about is actually the the asset itself and if you've got a great asset and you've 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 invested in a fabulous asset which has uh, traction for other operators then that's the best cover you've got in 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 you know sure covenant matters i think obviously if you're a whitbread it's a very different situation where they've paid mm -hmm. all their rents and they've made a big point of telling people they've paid their rents no doubt piling the pressure on travel lodge um and given a choice if you want that extra backup you're surely going to see a um you know quite a significant differential between Whitbread and Travel Lodge going forward because you've got that backing of a, what is a, a significant covenant. But I think actually, you know, from a Travel Lodge perspective, what will happen um, and what has always happened is that that differential differential will be big at first, but then it will just, as the market tightens, it will just get tighter and tighter itself. Um, so I think the longer term damage to Travel Lodge is going to be relatively um, small if it gets this away and can get back into business. So I, th I think, you know, it is at the end of the day, the second biggest budget hotel player in the UK. It's got a good market position and it's got a, you know, a, a reasonable brand out there and reasonable track out there in the marketplace so um, I think the landlords have probably made the the right decision they were they were smart to go and threaten travel lodge look we have other options um, when you know you're not the only game in town mr. operator we have other operators that you know will take it on um, but you know and if particularly if you've got lovely assets which you know the likes of whipbread will pay a pretty penny to grab then you've got to be you know you've you've you, you've the boots on your foot rather than on travel lodge's foot mm. but if you've got a sort of you know a secondary or tertiary um asset um it, it's it's a much harder situation um and so there, there has to have been a an accommodation lxi great position with great assets um, secured income re a much more mixed portfolio some really great assets but also some not so great assets in there which meant that the you know across the piece they've had to i think you know reach an accommodation we'll see i mean you know secured income re were quite clear that they're spending some time with their advisors and we'll see what the outcome's ultimately going to be with the uk market and we're going to talk next about best western in the uk uh, they seem to be having a cracking 2020 uh, they've just signed 26 more hotels under their brand portfolio from uh, hallmark hotels um, and that takes them i think to about 40 this year so far um compared with 25 signings in each of the last two years so uh very strong year um and also coming off the fact they've they've recently starred in a, a mini series on the british tv fly on the wall um docu series um which uh also i think done them very well despite any reservations they might have had about how the uh, the thing was was cut and edited and narrated uh, have you watched it chris i haven't seen i it, have actually. i have seen, seen some of it absolutely yeah why not it's yeah. uh you know catch it on catch it up positive? it's uh, it's 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 it feels like it's produced by a, a, a typical kind of set of media people who don't really like business but but uh, <laughs> but my feeling is that actually you know they 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 came out quite well out of it because if you were a mid-market hotel owner and you're watching the program 
you actually quite like the probably quite like the fact that Best Western UK doesn't have swanky head offices that the marketing mm. team are actually prepared to put on um, outfits and appear in 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 video commercials uh, you know no one's wasting money or, or going around oh. doing the big I am they look like they're all working quite hard and they all seem pretty passionate about their hotels and I think the other thing is that you know although they say they've got some strong brands um, most of their hotels still have a distinctly kind of individualistic air about them um, they're you know they're not all the same color carpet um, and uh, so I think you know that it probably set, sets them off quite well for, for more I was, I was fascinated in your piece actually because you talk about um, you interviewed um, someone at Best Western and she was telling you that uh, it was the GDS was one of the big attractions you think goodness I mean people have been been predicting the death of the global distribution systems for decades yet here they are and it's still one of the key draws for people signing up uh, it's uh, it's amazing actually mm. yeah no that's that's terry dunn the business development director also stars in the uh, in the programs of course uh, yeah no i mean for me i mean it's kind of summed up a lot of um what the whole virus situation is doing which is accelerating existing trends so short um chains such as hallmark or menzies or any of those they need a, a better brand to to hang their hat on best western is one of those options for it uh it's interesting best western has has tried i mean it, it tried to become a, a for-profit organization just over a, well a couple of years ago um uh, but that failed a year ago when uh, there was a vote and it wanted to remain as a member organization uh, i think best western recognizes that it needs greater resources to really drive forward its brand presence uh, but it's you know it seems to be doing a not too bad a job even on the reduced resources and of course one of the appeals for some of these companies is the the lower fee mm. levels it charges um quite how much lower they are once you factor in all the chargebacks um is a moot point i suspect but uh, um but o o overall i think the perception is it's a it's it's a better value um than to say if you if you go well the better value is the wrong word it's cheaper <laughs> you pay less than if you go and join one of the 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 big global hotel brand companies like a marriott or a hilton or whatever and and i think the flexibility within best western in terms of you're not really going to have to do a lot other than stick a best western sign up and maybe change your stationery it it, it it helps i think um in, in in terms of signing people up and that's attractive when particularly when you've got um chains which are um you know struggling for, for cash right now and the last thing they want to be doing is a whole investment program to try and reposition them yeah and one of the other interesting things that did strike me that was actually in the in the program was um that they're now uh they're now starting best western in the uk to get people building out hotels um, to go under one of their stronger brands from the outset uh, and in fact the program saw one of the property team visiting a site in I think it's in Luton where a, an office is being converted mm. to their new Sadie brand um, and I think there's a, certainly a feeling that if they can start to get developers and landlords to think about building buildings to put under Best Western brands from the outset then they could be on a whole different path and, uh, and a whole other level of, of growth again yeah going over oh, there actually pursuing that um that 
classic big brand franchise model and uh, um, even though they've retained their their membership status they're still um, following that particular path that they decided to go down a few years ago when CEO David Kong came in um, who's, who's in the, the US CEO to uh, talk about workspace and offices uh, and look at what's happening in the flexible office market uh, where of course um, all the operators that are well funded are hoping they're going to do greatly out of the coronavirus departing and everyone opening business back up again because they think that there'll be cutbacks and people want to be more flexible so they'll go into flexible offices while they try and ditch their big corporate offices um, but of course there there is problem in this pro- problem afoot in the sector because the smaller uh, newer startups with trendy names who've grabbed uh, perhaps a building or two in London and turned it into co-working or flexible office space have not been able to take any fees or uh, for the last few months and are going to struggle and so there is an expectation there will be some shake-up in the market and of course the other big issue hanging over the uh, whole flexible office marketplace is what happens with WeWork the, uh, the, <laughs> the rising star that seemed to have got a bit close to the sun and uh, as the wings fall off, what will become of it? Yeah, um, well, let's not get into the WeWork debacle because uh, <laughs> we could be here um, <laughs> for another hour. Um, but uh, I, well, it struck me actually looking at this and I, I had a good long look at um, IWG's um, uh, most recent investor presentation at the beginning of March they gave their full year results and just before it became apparent how bad this whole um, um, pandemic um, the impact of the pandemic was going to be um, and it, it, like many other areas of operational real estate what we're seeing is it's short-term pain but potentially longer term gain if you've got the deeper pockets if you've got the the stronger capital uh, structure you're going to come it come through it okay and IWG has been helped hugely um, by its listing and its ability to go out there and raise money it raised what 320 million pounds um, its uh, founder and big shareholder still and CEO Mark Dixon um, stumped up 91 nearly 92 million of those pounds um, and you know it, it, it's it's got a good strong balance sheet which is going to see it through I think this this period um, um, but it, it's it's now pursuing and we've just been talking about franchising and it's pursuing the franchise model quite heavily um in in this um flex office space um it's got 31 partners now over 400 you know and they've got over 400 different uh sites mostly in japan Um, and south korea sort of asian area They've done quite a bit, yeah. Philippines, I think. They've, they've done quite a bit, but they're, they're, I think it's global, the, the push in terms of that franchising mm-hmm. piece. And they do see that as the as you know the, the future in terms of, you know, as we saw in the hotel space, or so this is going back to arguably even three decades, you know, hoteliers or the, you know, used to own a lot of their own real estate, the hotel brand companies, and then gradually they've divested and they saw the, the superior return on capital employed as they got into the franchising business and this is clearly the case that Mark Dixon sees here and he sees the potential in Flex Office to be the brand leader and we've just remarked on WeWork and arguably they were well that they were 
work. I mean, it's arguable. I think they, they were a, a higher profile brand, a stronger brand, but I think they have been damaged. Um, whether they're damaged, to, you know, to the point of going out of out of business remains to be seen. But there's no question Mark Dixon sees an opportunity to, here to jump in, secure some great sites, um, and maybe sign up some other franchise partners off the back of this. I mean, at the moment, they've even signed some smaller franchise deals during this pandemic period. So, you know, they're able to go out there and sell the concept and their idea. And I think they will take out some of these weaker players. Um, which I don't think they'll want to go on and take out WeWork, mm. but they'll certainly take out a, take a number of the sites off them. And I think um, the owners of those sites will be only too pleased to, to 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 hand them over. And I think you know there's been a lot of talk, and I think and I think it's right in terms of the office market being fundamentally changed by the pandemic. I think as we've remarked um, a few minutes ago, um, um, it, it's actually accelerated existing trends um, and the trend towards flex office has been accelerated um, in that presentation that investor presentation um, from a um, second of march iwg um, put out numbers saying that 30 percent of the u.s office market would be flex um, by 2030 um, i think that's absolutely going to be met that proportion i think probably earlier than 2030 I, it's clear that office you know that corporates now who need office space are looking at it thinking actually you know we don't need space for our people five days a week but we do need space um, but we need more flexible space so i think the whole structure of the marketplace is being shaken up and iwg do look in a good spot to take yes i, I think that, that the, uh, um, the the situation of the pandemic has, has forced com corporates who might have resisted uh letting people work at home it's forced them to have to work at home and and um that's broken down some some kind of corporate internal management barriers that might have been quite quietly resisting i think you're right yeah. uh, i think you're right yeah, and you're a big user of yep. it. As, anyway, you, are you still? Do you, no, you've gone to village. You've you've jumped. <laughs> Are you at Village now? It's uh, you're no longer Ooh, IWG. No, you know, I used, used to, to be used a to Regis, but I, I found their uh, their backup systems quite deadly. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm I'm I, I'm a fully paid up member of a Village Hotel Business Club, but uh, of course currently closed. There you go. There we are. Well, oh, it's is inside it? a hotel. Oh, okay, I didn't. Remember. I thought Village were still open, though. Were they not opening up or not? Are they still there? Well, unable to all open I can tell you is there's a big mesh fence across the entrance to the Village Hotel in Cardiff. <laughs> so I think only the security <laughs> okay, guard's getting in and out Yeah, at the moment. <laughs> there we are. Right. Lockdown Britain continues. <laughs> so finally, uh, let's just uh, mention once again Real Estate Tomorrow uh, happening on the 16th of June. Find out plenty more about the goings on and get yourself registered at uh, the website realestate-tomorrow.com and with that done we'll say goodbye for now <laughs>